Welcome to the Healthcare Quality Cast, where we spotlight today's most exciting and inspiring quality professionals within the healthcare industry. Our podcast will dive into the career journeys of leaders that work daily to improve quality, safety, and service outcomes for patients, their family members, and their communities at large. Our mission is to provide motivation and direction to our listeners, encouraging you all to continue your efforts in improving the overall quality of healthcare. And now, your host, Jarvis Gray. Quality people, welcome to episode number 71 of the Healthcare Quality Cast, powered by the Quality Coaching Company. I'm your host, Jarvis Gray, and quality people, we are jumping right into today's show because this is definitely a long but exceptionally fun and unique conversation with my guest, Fred Newmark. Fred comes to our show with 17 years of experience in healthcare consulting, recruiting, medical staff planning, and development. His diverse background includes recruiting oversight of 24 hospitals within a large healthcare system, vice president of recruitment for a national emergency medicine and hospitalist medicine company, and operations manager for a large national recruiting agency. Fred also led the creation of a residency outreach program to assist residents with their post-training job search process and now consults as co-founder and managing partner of Newmark Healthcare Services, working with physicians, hospitals, and group practices. He also has a video series called Behind the Curtain of Healthcare that can be found on YouTube. Here in episode number 71, Fred starts our show with a leadership mindset centered around giving value. Fred is a fellow entrepreneur that walks us through his impressive path in physician recruiting and professional development. He gives us an overview of the physician recruitment process, as well as the major takeaways around developing as an expert. After a small mix-up on our scripts, Fred highlights his approach for developing great teams connected with being genuine. Fred teaches us that we need to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Fred shares the healthcare trends that he's excited about and the role that healthcare leaders can promote in its long-term success. Fred shares a great perspective around creating think tanks and teaches us the top decision factors that doctors consider in their job search efforts. In a twist to the show, Fred dodges around the best career advice question, then shares the best career advice that he's ever given, only to close our show with some of the best career advice shared to date on our podcast. Fred, plain and simply, thank you for being you. You know that I've appreciated every discussion that we've had, and I look forward to every future conversation to come. Quality people, grab a snack and a notepad and be sure to pace yourselves with this episode because Fred is dropping value in only the way that he knows how. And honestly, you have to experience this show to understand what I mean. Thank you all for tuning in. Enjoy this entire show, and we'll be back next week with another quality guest. All right, thank you for joining us for another episode of the Healthcare Quality Cast. Uh, today, I'm here with my guest, Mr. Fred Newmark. Fred, are you ready to share with some quality people? Jarvis, I am ready, my man. All right, well, Fred, I just want to say thank you, because as we were just talking about during our show, in our pre-show conversation, you are not the typical quality person, and yet here you are on this podcast, so thank you for everything you're about to share. I don't even know where we're about to go, but just want to thank you in advance, man. And thank you for telling me I'm not in a normal quality person, Jarvis. I appreciate that. Hits close to home. Thank you, brother. You, you are outside of our normal <laughs> curve here. <laughs> but 
Fred, I, I'm already interested just because of what you already shared with question number one. But, you know, we love to start our show with positive affirmations to really get our momentum going. So, Fred, I would love if you could share a leadership quote or mindset, but tell us why it appeals to you. And how do you apply it on a daily basis? Well, I'm not personally uh, a follower of any particular thought leader or where I've got a quote in mind, but I can tell you in the name of your podcast and what you represent candidly is a, what is what resonates with me, Jarvis, and why I wanted to share this time with you tonight. Because um, to me, honestly, from the heart, it's all, all about quality. So my job as a physician recruiter, I talk to physicians, could be all day, every day, just depending on any given day. And to me, every new physician I talk to is, is totally like a journey. I go into it with an open mind, an open book, almost like just a discovery um, expedition. And it excites me because um, to me, it's all about the quality of my listening. And it's the, about the quality of my passion to be able to help these people. Um, so I do not think about what I do as making widgets in a factory or um, it might not have been the best metaphor, but I don't think of myself as transactional. And truly, I try to treat every person I speak to in a way that has no thought process about how it could possibly benefit me. It's completely about how I can help that individual with my 17 years in this industry, in the myriad of leadership, non-leadership, grunt roles that I've had. I know this aspect of healthcare, the recruiting piece, pretty much inside and out. And if I can help somebody on their way, that's all I look to do. So to me, it's all about genuineness and quality and caring. And I bring that from the beginning of the call, hopefully to the end of the call. So that's kind of how I start my day, my mindset, if you will. So it's not really a quote, but it's really what, I, what resonates within me when, I'm, when I have these interactions with folks on the phone. Well, in, in all fairness, um, Fred, I, I think that will resonate even with our audience because the way you just described your interactions with the clients and the physicians that you serve from the viewpoint of a quality person, so a healthcare leader that is focused on quality of services, quality of experience for patients, um, we call that giving value. And that's exactly yes. what you just described is, is giving value. And even when we first connected, that was the way you reached out to me was um, just the connection and, you know, uh, developing relationships out the gate and giving value. So I appreciate the mindset there. Yeah, that's where it begins and ends to me, honestly. And I've always believed that if you do that enough, um, you know, I think Zig Ziglar said it once, but I'm not going to try to quote the, the great Zig Ziglar. But if, if you help people enough, <clears throat> in turn, it comes back to support you, but it's got to be done in earnest. And, and heartfelt. And I think that's what people recognize. People, people recognize genuineness and true spirited uh, support when they're getting it. And, and that's what I tried to emulate. All right. Perfect. Well, I, I will say again, Fred, we got you on the right podcast show. All right. Um, and I think everything so far, you're off to a really great start. I think our, our audience <laughs> will resonate a hundred percent. You want to end uh, now? You want to quit while we're ahead? <laughs> oh, no, man. It, it's all downhill from here. Okay. <laughs> so, Fred, let me move you to the next question because, yes. again, this is, um, you know, you are think or you're bringing something so brand new and I think out of the box star conversation to our show. Yeah. Um, so I would love for you to briefly describe with our audience, 
your role, um, you know, what you're doing with your business, but most importantly, really that professional background that led you into the things you're doing now. And again, the, the focus of our show, I'm going to connect as much of the world of healthcare quality and process improvement, but just the world of everything that you're doing that you're going to share with us now from recruiting to um, career development with physicians would love for you to just kind of open up and, and expose our audience, our quality people to everything from your background. Absolutely. So today I'm a small business owner and a healthcare recruiter. <clears throat> and as I mentioned earlier, I, I mentioned the, the benchmark is 17 years, uh, working in a myriad of settings. Um, everything from what would be called uh, third party outside you know, uh, entity, start working with a national company initially to joining a very large organization of uh, what's now 90 hospitals today uh, to uh, heading recruitment for an emergency medicine, hospitalist medicine company, a management company. Uh, and now in my own space, uh, if you will, running my own company. And um, so it's been an interesting path. Uh, my background truly uh, prior to getting into healthcare was sales. And I don't know that uh, what I was selling was that critical to just the skills that I inherently have with being able to connect with people, kind of influencing people in a genuine way with a genuine nature and a good heart. And of course the knowledge that you need to, uh, to discuss whatever the subject matter is. And I think those skills, when healthcare either found me or I found it, uh, I don't know the reality of it, maybe it was serendipity um, aligned, uh, had to retool my understanding of this industry. I didn't know much about it. Um, I only related to, uh, to healthcare as being a patient. Uh, I had no understanding of what behind the curtain meant, meaning had no idea of the business side of medicine didn't really think much about doctors making mistakes, um, didn't thinking, didn't even, when I first got into recruiting Jarvis, it floored me to think that doctors, doctors needed help finding jobs. I was thinking, damn, they made it through med school and residency and, you know, really? They needed help finding a job? So I had a lot to learn. Um, and fortunately for me, uh, it's been quite the journey again of having this full kind of spectrum of experience and being within a system for over 10 years, it really showed me what goes on within a healthcare system. And today my company is about, I would say, if you pull layers back, definitely recruiting, but it's also helping people develop, bring, getting them into the right uh, space with perhaps the right professional of what they need. I kind of view my platform, if you will, as a healthcare ecosystem, if that's maybe one way to frame it, that I've surrounded myself with everything from the Jarvis Grays of the world for quality improvement to people that do immigration um, law to contract attorneys to a myriad of uh, folks that are all within different elements of the healthcare uh, sphere. And wherever I can help a hospital, a physician practice or an individual provider, that's what I do. Well, I'm afraid if you could, um, I didn't warn you about this, but I have a tendency <laughs> to go off script. So, of course, okay. there's the this questions in front of you, but um, I'd love to go off script really quickly and dive a little bit deeper into the process of physician recruitment. Could you 
walk us through at least at a high level what does you know what are some of the high level steps that you go through with helping physicians you know push their careers forward or the recruitment process in general um, because I, I guess I'm asking that as a healthcare leader who has had multiple jobs at multiple healthcare systems I know what I go through as just a normal you know Joe Blow quality improvement person but to your point you know physicians you would think with the shortage of them across the country, probably across the world, that it just be grabbing at the bits for anyone that comes through. But I, I guess I would personally love to understand what does that look like? Well, for me, it all first starts down with as simple as a conversation. Now I say that when I say a simple conversation, the simple conversation is accumulation of me doing this for 17 years. So things that I ask and maybe notice today when I'm in dialogue with a physician, are probably a lot different than they were 15 years ago because of just my understanding and the nuances of, of a job search and the nuances of really trying to understand what somebody's really looking for. So for me, I mean, I, I guess we could call it basic vetting, but that to me is a little bit of a cold sort of uh, label. To me, it's really, really getting to know uh, the physician, both career-wise skill-wise, personal-wise, and part of how I, how I do that personally is I let them get to know me a little bit. They feel like they're talking to a human being when we talk. So for me, when you say high level, <clears throat> there are some ABCs that you follow, kind of check the box of, I call it discovery, but to me what's really important is that I connect with these people because that just so happen to be physicians, if you will. Um, because the more they connect with me, I feel the more uh, human beings in general lower their guard. And when I see things just through the normal Q&A that maybe really don't align, they're not super congruent. Um, Jarvis, let me ask you this question. I'm going to go off script a little bit here. Have you ever seen the movie Columbo? I know you're a youngster, but maybe you're old enough to have seen the movie Columbo. Not the, the show Columbo, excuse me. Not okay, yeah, I was no. going to say, yeah. Um, not the movie. I, I apologize. The show Columbo. Yeah, yeah, Mr. Uh, one Last Thing, right? Yes, the, you got it. All right. <laughs> you, you, you are an OG. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so for me, the reason I threw the Columbo th uh, metaphor in was, yeah, it's like one last question. So when I'm talking to someone, if things aren't aligning, I'm really comfortable in my own skin at this point to, like, ask them about it. Well, you kind of told me this and this over here but it doesn't really align with what you just said or what the job is offering. So to a large extent, I want to do what's best for that physician. And if it means that truly I'm quote unquote chasing them away, and I don't deliberately chase people away, but if somehow through, the, through this courting discovery process, it appears that a particular job we had in mind just doesn't align, I'm really good with saying, you know, this doesn't quite look right. So to me, it's a lot of trust building it's a lot of credibility building. It's them knowing that they can trust me, that I truly have their best interest at heart. And then there's just the technical side of, of having at least a, a fairly decent understanding of what the physician does and some of the layers of things that are important to them. And very honestly, um, Jarvis, if, there, if I get stumped, I'm really cool with just saying, you know what, I love to learn, uh, doctor or Bob or whatever I'm calling him, if you will. I like calling physicians by their first name because it's just a conversation between two two people. I'll say, hey, school me a little bit on what you just said or 
what are the most important things for you and what you're looking for? And if they say something I don't understand, they just say, hey, could you explain that to me? Doing this a long time, but I'm not familiar with that one piece that you just shared with me. So I don't know if I'm doing the best job of answering your question because for me, it comes so innately after 17 years, but it's about really just asking the right questions and really doing great, great listening and then assessing and, and being fearless when it comes to stating the obvious and not taking a back seat or being insecure that if I say something, it's going to kind of maybe get them disinterested or I don't play any of that, Jarvis. I, I try to stay true to my mantra of really keeping it real. And I think they know that. And that's why I've been successful. Yeah. And I help them throughout the whole process. I mean, I'm kind of giving you the front end of the process. I help them with their phone interviews. I help them with their on-site visits. I know contracts pretty well. I know usually what the points are for negotiating. So those that will allow me to use my full palette of skills, I do a pretty comprehensive job of kind of being their coach, if you will. They're Jerry Maguire in a sense. Okay. Well, no, I, I was going to jump in and say that was the – absolute best worst answer ever. <laughs> <laughs> and, and what I mean by that Fred is um, no you <laughs> you started to maybe touch on the actual answer I, I, that I think I was looking for at the very yes end. and so I think that was more in the mindset of yes physicians go through a process of having to create a resume and mm. apply on indeed and go I'm sorry interviews yes I missed um, that Jarvis but no, yes but no but you know what the way you did answer that though Fred and I, I want to highlight this as a, a, ma a message and a takeaway for our audience what I heard was that you have essentially gotten to a level of mastery where you're not kind of playing I'll say by the book so to speak but you're delivering the value in the most direct the most efficient most effective way to your clients that you're serving and I I do think that's important to call out because one of the messages that I've tried to build around this podcast, Fred, is for me and the people who do what I do, or even just healthcare leaders as a whole, whether you're in a C-level position or whatever, um, it's at some point in your career, you have to own the fact that you are the expert and yeah. you get to cut to the chase um, and, and provide value and help provide results for the team you're supporting. That is really what I just took away from everything you shared there. Yeah, I, <clears throat> by nature, um, I like to think that I have humility. Um, and if there's one thing that I, 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 I'm hard pressed even to use the word mastered at anything, honestly, but if there's anything that I've ever come close to that word, it would be in this space, Jarvis. And, um, and in a sense, I, you know, I know what I want to, I know the pathway that I, that I'm going to take. It's innately like, you know, you being the ex, I don't know if your audience just quite knows the the ex jock that you you really are, um, but that could be up to you to disclose. Maybe in your next uh, quality coach uh, podcast, um, I, 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 I highlight it every now and then. But I will say <laughs> the the emphasis on X that was a very long time ago. <laughs> okay, well I was going to say muscle twitch, you know, just that inherent that's where i was going with that metaphor by the way it is just you know that muscle memory something as an athlete that you just know how to do because you've practiced it yep. so many times it's like so when i enter these conversations it's jarvis i'm telling you i don't even have a script in my head i'm, I'm taking my cues in the moment i'm really present 
I have a couple of high points that things that, you know, just some boxes I need to check that absolutely I need to ask. Some just very, you know, very, just very easy, squeezy questions. But the rest is really a blank palette. And so it is inherently baked in. And so um, to your point, I, I, I kind of know fact from fiction at this point. And I'm fine with alluding if I'm hearing fiction to help getting somebody back to a, a, a if, if, if their expectations aren't right, or I'm going to cover the whole gamut and I'm going to be candid respectfully with somebody. If I think that there's something off about uh, how the, the conversation is going or what their expectations are or what their hopes and prayers are, uh, I try to give them a perspective to kind of keep it real because in some sense in what I do, I, I feel that I am the subject matter expert after all these years, at least in this, this, this lane. Uh, I appreciate that and I can definitely respect it. Um, that is how I try to get through a lot of the work that I'm doing. So again, I, I want that to definitely be um, a takeaway, hopefully, that a lot of our audience can resonate with because mm -hmm. I think you, you, just like from an athletic point of view, you got to put the practice in, you got to get the reps, you got to, you know, you got to sweat it out and earn every right to then yeah. be that subject matter expert. So yeah. um, I appreciate you going way off script. Like I said, when, when the off script questions happen, um, yeah. anything is bound to ensue, but um, let me jump back on script because yes. I still want to pull some really great value out of our conversation. And yep. um, Fred, my next question for you is that I would love for you to highlight maybe three critical concepts or topics that our quality improvement um, listeners can value from at around, you know, again, connecting back to your world and physician recruitment. Um, and one of the examples, just to connect the dots there, I was highlighting earlier that I can only imagine if I'm a doctor looking for my next healthcare organization to work with, I want to work with, you know, one of the best players, the one of the organizations that are already top of class with their quality outcomes. So mm -hmm. uh, I'll kind of leave it there and just let you take away. What are some things that we need to know as quality improvement professionals that your clients, your, your back, you know, folks from your background may want in terms of quality and, and, you know, cost effective healthcare. It's an interesting question because I was loaded for bear with a different answer. Um, <laughs> so it's a challenging question when I think about, I'm tying the word quality into it because that's where your, your, your question really shifted. And if, if I go off track with the answer, uh, don't wait five minutes to tell me I, <laughs> I'm off the rails, Jarvis. So oh, um, every system will tell you they want what they would call right fit, right physician, quality, delivery of healthcare. And it means something different, I think, on some level to each client. I mean, there are certain things that clearly are synonymous, but each client kind of may have their own uh, interpretation of what is most important on that quality scale. So nobody really would say, we don't want a doctor who doesn't follow medicine scientific protocols that can't deliver good health care. I mean, that's kind of a baseline. But quality could all mean being a team player. Quality can mean what are their interpersonal skills like. Quality can mean 
I'm an it and my my consumer or my patient base um, ha, may not understand someone with a foreign act or have a harder time. And if clearly um, it's a smaller market and the patient can't understand the physician, then the delivery of care is going to be more challenging. So quality it takes the face of many different things depending on the area. Um, I'll digress briefly to say I grew up in South Florida. You know the South Florida market, uh, Jarvis. And I didn't care when I was growing up or as an adult, if you will, in South Florida being a metro. It didn't matter to me um, anything other than, than that the physician was personable and I thought they were qualified and gave good care. Um, I didn't care if they lived in the market. I didn't care if they lived three hours away and drove. Those questions didn't even cross my mind. Well, all of those things, even in subjective ways, relate for certain clients about what quality is. We get these small markets where they believe that if the physician isn't seen regularly at the local Walmart store, patients are going to believe that they're not as committed to delivering care. So they only want people that are going to literally buy a home and live right there in the town of maybe 8,000 people. So that doesn't necessarily translate into quality delivery of care, but in a sense it translates into quality. Do they care about us? Are they integrated into our community? Do they buy into our small town? So there are multiple layers when you talk about quality and, and that's where your, your question kind of threw me a little bit. I think I was expecting something else. Um, so to me, it's somewhat of a moving target. I wish it was more black and white, but those are the things that it's important for me when I talk to a client and a client would be the hospital or group and then the physician to make sure those different elements align. And that just comes with, you know, understanding what everybody's seeking and asking the right questions and really doing great listening. And again, being fearless in and getting the information that's required to make sure that when I send a physician over, um, it's potentially the right fit. I will say this very briefly and then um, tone, tone this question down, but not every recruiter works this way. I know physician recruiting is, is not, you know, your Ballywick Jarvis. I wish, uh, wish I had some more of your, your swag and what you do. Um, I will tell you that there are a lot of paper pushers in physician recruiting that don't take the time. And I don't know how this translates to your audience. I don't know what paper pushing could mean in, in the expertise in the world that you are so great at, but people that just want to, you know, talk briefly to a physician, send the CV in and that's their goal is to get as many in front of as many clients as possible and hoping that the law of, of mathematics, they'll make enough placements to get paid. That's not my work, and that's not how really good recruiters work. So um, to me, that's not delivering quality, and that doesn't address why people should work with me. But unfortunately, there's a fair segment of folks in the physician recruiting world that don't take the kind of time and care that I'm alluding to. No, that was actually, I, I still think, very well covered. Um, I appreciated just the, the thoughtfulness behind connecting those concepts of quality with the folks you are 
connecting with. I'm, I'm curious, maybe, uh, Fred, just what were some of the original thoughts too that <laughs> had I not threw a curveball like <laughs> <in> that? <laughs> uh, I'm curious to know maybe what what are some of the um, kind of more well, prepared when, answers you were ready well, for? When, well, when you, when you were talking about, and I'm thinking about like what's a, a tip or tool or tactic, is that what we're referring to or no? Am I thinking of the wrong uh, the wrong question because I, I really want to be on point here I know I can be uh, I, can, I can I can wander a little bit so no. um, maybe reframe it for me so that I'm really being on point Jarvis no no actually I think you are spot on you know okay. what you know what happened can are you still looking at my screen here no okay so I think the questions you have are the ones downloaded from my landing page they are Okay, and I sent you a different set of questions. Oh, uh, you flipped it up on me, did so you? Yeah, I, I threw I threw you the major you, curveball. You threw me the major curve. Yes, I was looking at the kind of the Q and A that we might talk about off of the the automated. Uh, yes, that's what I was looking at. So okay, but I'm no, good. I, I can go anywhere. Trust me. No, actually, that I mean, both of them still work, but um, but no. <laughs> so let me let me circle around to that then. Sure. Still, because again, I. I think it's very, very applicable, but nonetheless, could you please give us a tip tool or tactic that <laughs> <laughs> connects very well for building up those teams that you work with? Yes. All right. Good deal. Um, so what had come to mind was, uh, so when I think about um, how do I work with, with a team and whether the team is my immediate team that I'm on by way of working underneath the same umbrella of an organization or an external team of people that I'm working with I me. Mean, we may not even be working within the same organization, but we're a team of a different sort. Um, there, there are two things that really, really came to mind and I touched on it earlier. So I, this, this one I won't take too long on. For me, the most critical point is being genuine. That is where it begins and ends Jarvis um, because I don't think anyone will go wrong with being genuine. Um, and then the other one is having a sense of humor. So we all know what genuine looks like, sounds like, and feels like. We just innately know it. I think we do. Um, I, I, I call it just leveling with people, telling them the truth. And I think people respect any of us for being candid and telling the truth. And I will share with you that in corporate America, I think it's harder, and I'm going to ask you to weigh in on this because I know you've had enough jobs in big companies, Jarvis, as well. I have found in my career, especially on the corporate America side, it's harder to do that. doesn't mean I can't do it because I still did it, but where you have people, coworkers, bosses, people with their own career agendas, it's you're, you sometimes you kind of feel like you're reduced to almost like a, a widget and that the people that you're in charge of to some extent you could if you let it could reduce you into treating them like widgets and that's not genuine so what i'm referring to is if i think one way about you jarvis and i'm going to share this with you on you know in a face-to-face -face or on a call I don't feel comfortable having some behind the back conversation about you with somebody that you don't even know that conversation is going on. It could be assessing or it, it and, I, and I'm not saying that leaders have to do those things. I'm just saying I found that very hard to do. So I try to keep it real, keep it genuine. 
And I think humor really, really disarms people. And that's been just an inherent nature from my, from my mom, God rest her soul, that she, she inherently gave me was my, my sense of humor. Because it really disarms people in a way that they know you're real, especially when I use my self-deprecating humor. People just really get disarmed. And I think those are two, two elements for me that have really gone a long way in, in working with teams, groups, individuals, is being genuine, keeping it real, and inserting my humor naturally. It's not like telling one-liners, not I was going to say Henny Youngman. You have no idea, Jarvis, who Henny Youngman is. I want all the people in the audience listening right now to raise their hand if they've ever even heard the name Henny Youngman. All three of you. (laughs) Um, So it's not like telling one-liners. It's just inherent, you know, humor that comes from me. You you know me a little bit, Jarvis. So, um, and I think that's a that's a really great, powerful tool that kind of brings people in, and they know you're genuine when you can even laugh at yourself. Well, and, uh, you know, to your, to your feedback there, I'll say, uh, I mean, again, from day one, when we first started talking, Fred, you mm-hmm. came right out the gate with your sense of humor. And I was like, <laughs> I said, oh, my God, this guy is crazy. I like him. I mean, that was, that was truly, you know, my impression. Um, but, you know, to, your, to a lot of the other feedback you shared, I don't know if that is the commonly accepted culture of healthcare. And it could be because, you know, healthcare is connected with people's lives and there's such a serious vibe there, mm-hmm. um, which it needs to be. But the only time I get to see a lot of leaders kind of really cut back and be themselves is behind mm-hmm. closed doors right? versus, you know, taking yeah. that humor out into the hallways, into some of the units that we, you know, walk through and work through. So um, I, I think it's the natural conservative nature of healthcare that doesn't always allow for it but um some of the best leaders that i've personally worked with to your point they give me a feeling of just being relaxed they give me a feeling of hey i can you know cut up around this guy just a little bit you know respectably and all of those yes. right ways of doing it but, yes um but yeah authenticity like you said humor those are some of the best things that i've appreciated in the good leaders that I've worked with, but even in our short relationship so far, Fred, mm-hmm. you've been that since day one. So I will give you absolute well, thank you. kudos for that. Well, I think a lot of it, you know, I, I think we all need to be who we are, Jarvis. So, um, you know, we all have our strengths and, and such. And so I'm not suggesting that somebody, you know, reinvent themselves to be funny. That's really not where I'm coming from because I'm comfortable with in my own skin, I know I've said things in in environments that were a little non-traditional, but because I'm really comfortable with it and people understand, they look behind the, 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 the gasp or the immediate, like, what did, what did, you know, and then they get the point of it, then they loosen up and they laugh. But that happens because that's coming from me and my, what resonates truly from me, if you will. I'm not trying to be somebody I'm not. So I'm not suggesting that we all should be yucking it up and it, in, in whatever way it comes through. But I think it, it reminds us that we're all really human beings. And I, there's a connectivity to me that comes through with humor that brings us all together, that, that, that works at least. That's been my life experience. All right. Perfect. Well, let me move you to the next question, Fred. And let me ask for you to take us on one of the best aha moments that you've had as a healthcare professional, 
but share with us how did the idea strike you and definitely if you're able to turn it into a personal or professional success yes 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 and yes <laughs> jarvis yes so <clears throat> for me personally um i would say it's when i first got into healthcare recruiting so here i was at the time in my 40s <clears throat> and uh, i only knew physicians as my doctor um you know, I was their patient, <clears throat> as I kind of alluded to earlier. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm going to take a little slug of water here. And after going through this one week of training, recruiting training, <clears throat> they put you on the front lines and suddenly I'm calling doctors that some didn't expect my call. It's not like they were all, you know, warm leads coming in. Some of them, you know, we had their cell phone number in the database. And within a few minutes, I'm like asking them these what I thought were these highly personal, sensitive questions. Like, you know, tell me, um, what are your financial expectations? Or tell me, doctor, what did you earn last year? Or have you ever had any uh, medical malpractice issues? Or is there anything in your personal background check if, if a, you know, if, if, if one was run that we would need to know? Now, these are things you have to understand the frame of reference, Jarvis. I can ask those questions today without flinching. This is just part and parcel for what we do. But for me, this was breathtaking. This was like, to, like, <gasps> can you do this, Fred? That's how borderline traumatizing it was for me, how un totally uncomfortable it was for me. And so... What, what happened for me, honestly, is my mentor basically shared with me that I needed to get comfortable asking uncomfortable questions and that I needed to get comfortable with uncomfortable situations. And that if I could do that, he said, if, I, if you could master recruiting, regardless of whether that job was my last job or not, and I never recruited again, he said the personal growth you will experience will like exponentially help you whatever you do next. And you talk about having me at hello. When I heard him say that and frame all that discomfort in that way, like a personal, personal growth challenge, it completely lit my fire. I wanted to learn everything I could about recruiting. And so for me, what started off as um, literally feeling the floor opened up when I had to talk to doctors and ask these questions that I thought were just earthquake-like velocity, when I saw myself getting comfortable with it, it actually gave me power. It started to empower me because I saw myself get over my own insecurities and not let it hold me back because I saw people that were really successful in this kind of work. So for me to vocalize it now, eh, it's just a story. But if you can put yourselves, anyone listening to this can put yourselves, whatever like your fear demon is at <laughs> work, like whatever that was at some point in your career, well, that was it for me. But having a mentor to, to kind of guide me through it and walk me through it and literally tell me what to say in the next phone conversation um, helped me overcome that. And it actually served as an incredible, um, incredible platform for, for not just what I do now, but it helped me immensely in personal growth. 
Well, so I, I love that story, Fred, because even thinking about how we started the show with coming into your expertise and your mastery of whatever whatever talent you're bringing into the healthcare industry, I almost feel like that was like the, um, the, the beginning of the story in which yes. your mentor gave you that permission yes. to, to launch your career forward. So that was really, really yeah. cool to just kind of connect that all together. And was one thing that was really interesting, at least in my pathway, Jarvis, <clears throat> is it's like we're all inherently good at something or you've trained to be good at something. But you kind of, if, if you get put into a new situation, and I'm just talking about my own life experience, if you will, it's almost like I didn't, it's almost like I had to give myself permission to let my own inherent skills that I had all along come out and utilize and be myself. But I was so wrapped up, my head was so wrapped up with all this noise that I was talking to physicians and doctors, oh my goodness, and I had, you know, doctor's orders, that's like what resonated in my head, doctor tells you to do, you do it, you know, I was, it was that hierarchy, patient doctor, doctor's up here, you're just the patient down here. When I got over that hurdle, and I just let my own inherent being plug who Fred is into the process, that's when my game took a whole different level. Well, and even almost back to that athlete mindset, you know, when you let an athlete play and not think. Yes. That's when yes. I had to bet, right? <laughs> that's it. You Perfect. got it. No, Jarvis, that's exactly what I'm talking about. All right, that's, ex that's a great example. That's exactly what I'm talking about. All right. So, Fred, you are officially like the Lawrence Taylor <laughs> of healthcare leadership. So, oh, thank, thank you. Thank you, Jarvis. <laughs> uh, next question. Less some, of the other, less some of the other issues, hopefully. Hopefully, yes. I probably should give you like a better, a better person. Next question I got for Next you. Next question. Yes, sir. <laughs> uh, Fred, I would love just from your view of healthcare to yes. learn what are some of the changes going on right now that you're excited about and what role, let me just kind of change this part up, but what yes. role do you just see healthcare leaders playing to promote or support us long-term success? healthcare leaders, man, I was prepared for something else here. You're really making me stretch here, Jarvis. I know at, at, at 10 o'clock at night. So I, I know. I, so no, ask <laughs> me that question again, as you just asked me, please. Yeah. So what are some of the changes taking place across the healthcare industry that you're personally excited about? But what role also do you just see healthcare leaders, not just quality people, but just leadership overall playing to promote or support us longevity? Okay, so I'll start with what I was thinking about um, with this question, and that is what I really see a shift coming, and it's really specific to what we're all living with right now with COVID-19, is I believe telemedicine is going to play a much bigger part um, going forward. What seemed a handful of years ago as an impersonal way of delivering care predominantly or, or highly used by smaller markets that can't get certain specialists to come. So they have robots, if you will, in, in their EDs for stroke, you know, neurology, uh, behavioral health is such a, a shortage. So you've got, you know, uh, behavioral health telemedicine. And I'm sure today the palette is much broader. But what seemed to be just a handful of years ago, as almost like a way of compromising delivery of care to the consumer or end user or patient, 
I think is completely changing. We now have this new consciousness about social distancing, which I think is going to be, I think that that is not going away, in my opinion. Um, I was actually watching um, Dr. Fauci, Anthony Fauci today, and he was very clear that he said, we may never see a, the new normal, we may never go back to life prior to COVID-19. And so at 63, I'm in a high risk category. I'm less interested in going to a clinic for services at this point. I may feel that way years from now, depending on how this all unfolds. Um, the downside is that healthcare become, may become less personal on certain levels, but I think telemedicine is no longer like the redheaded stepchild. I think it's going to be more like we're running to telemedicine instead of how, how, how can we avoid telemedicine? I think it's going to completely um, turn it, turn, turn, you know, I think it's, it's like this COVID situation has basically been a catalyst. Um, so I'm going to um, take a piece of what you asked from another question that I was actually thinking about, and it had to do with leaders, right? What can leaders do? This is what I'm thinking. Um, where do our best leaders or our, I'm going to ask you this question as the setup. Jarvis, and we'll see if you're thinking along the same lines I'm thinking. Okay. When you think of <clears throat> healthcare advancements, what sort of places do you think that comes from usually? Like when you think of, you know, truly groundbreaking or generational or real change in how, in, in healthcare advancement, wh where does that normally come from? All right, well, you got to know. What sector? Yeah, I was going to say the engineer in me is thinking um, aerospace and military. Okay. Um, and that, those, are pro those are both right, by the way. So you took it a level beyond what I was thinking because you're <laughs> right on – no, seriously, you're right on both of those. Um, so I'll answer the question so we're not playing, um, to, you know, back and forth here. What I was thinking – and you are spot on, by the way. What I was thinking is more like your academic centers. Okay. Yeah. Um, where, I heard that as well. Right. So academic centers usually is where you see, you know, protocols, research, you know, things like that. And so what I'm going to and I'm not suggesting this is going to happen overnight because it won't. Um, I would love to see I would love to see community health leaders take a greater role in taking healthcare to the next level. I would like to see leaders that are typically thinking about week over week, month over month, quarter over qu quarter, and, and year over year profits. That's their, I'm not saying they're not, they're not focused on, on solid delivery of care, but it's almost like this e equal pendulum of, you know, quality of care and money in the bank, if you will. I would love to see, because um, you know, we've talked about it before, Jarvis, healthcare is one slow adopter to change. It, it just is. And so I would love to see leaders outside the academic world to actually get involved and think about and become more of a global think tank, a global connectedness to say, how can we all as leaders, as CEOs, as system um, thought leaders, whether big, small, or, or independent, 
come together and actually create a better ecosystem for all of us instead of it healthcare being such a business focused dynamic. That's just my thought process on it. No, and I, I'll be honest. I hope that you are right. I, I personally like that vision. And a part of me, I don't know if it's the skeptic or the person that's just been in healthcare <laughs> way too long now, but it, if and when we get past, you know, this COVID-19 pandemic, yes. part of me is wondering how much of the things we're seeing right now will stick or will that old mindset fight to come back, um, you know, once everything calms down again. So, mm -hmm. but I, I hope that you're right. I'm right there with you. I've actually had a chance to already pull in a couple of um, telehealth leaders onto mm -hmm. the podcast and learn mm -hmm. a number of things from them over the past few weeks now. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really hoping that this is a, a good catalyst for change. It, it's a call to arms in, in not in the literal sense, of course, but um, I, I, I got to tell you, and, and now I'm, I'm, I'm sharing some other thoughts with you, but you know, Jarvis, everything is a business and I understand that I'm not uh, naive to the importance of economy and, and that's just a, a reality, but whether it's recruiting, it's a business healthcare, it's a business, it's a delivery of services. And I will tell you this COVID situation and watching the news and I watch an awful lot cause we're all home right now, or at least those that choose to stay home. Um, and I am more grateful for the reality of what these frontline workers do today, whether it's a physician, a mid-level, um, you know, respiratory therapist, um, and I'll even throw in the folks that are keeping just, you know, at the janitorial level, but they're showing up and, and delivering care and service so that the system can work and, and won't crash. I think, I, I'm hopeful there's a lasting, uh, a lasting, awareness that that has longevity about what healthcare is supposed to really be about and, and again i'm not downplaying the importance of, of of business it seems to always have some component in just about every part of life but i am taking the time personally as i talk to doctors some practicing some in training i almost think the ones in training feel a little almost embarrassed but i am thanking them now jarvis as we did like during the 9 11 period or when we'd see a military person in the airport and we just take a, a second maybe to just say, hey, thanks for, for, for what you've given yourself to do to keep us safe. Um, I have that same vibe right now about healthcare workers. And so I'm hoping that there is a positive component like that that has some staying power. That we just, when I say we, the collective we, get out a little bit outside the business model and say we're talking about what are what are what what is this industry supposed to really be about i mean what's supposed to be the heartbeat the core i think we're seeing that right now well if if there wasn't a time i've ever had just the utmost respect for you for it you just took it to a whole nother level <laughs> so, well, nah, thank I, you, I, really, I really appreciate that i, I I tell guests uh, a number of times that um, I always like to pull certain clips out of the show just so yeah. I can highlight and, you know, get folks to listen when we release the different episodes. And that was yeah. absolutely clip worthy right there. Well, thank you, my friend. All from the heart, truly yeah. from the heart. All right. It was felt. It was definitely felt. Um, let me take you to the next question. 
Yeah. And the next question I have for you is how can the healthcare industry become a more attractive place? Um, obviously the question says talented quality professionals, but I maybe like to and, throw in, you know, your expertise again. So even talented up and coming physician yeah. leaders um, to come in and start and grow their careers. So you just threw in physician leaders. Yes. Boy, that does change the dynamic of my answer. <laughs> because mm, I was thinking about the question from a um, so it's I'll be candid with you it, it I'm hard-pressed uh, and I'm not trying to plead the fifth um, because you answer that question better than I do when we had my video cast you had a great answer about physician because I asked you that question what is physician leadership yeah and if you recall and so um, I'm just being candid and keeping it real like I try to do. Um, I don't know that I'm the best qualified person to say, you know, how, what, what are things that can be done to create? Well, I, this is what comes to mind, okay? Let me, I just had a little epiphany, um, which happens when I stall long enough, Jarvis. Uh, <laughs> so <clears throat> for, as far as physician leaders, um, I can tell you that unfortunately not enough systems engage with or, or have a, a real integrated place for physician leadership. Some companies do, and you probably are much more astute than I am about those that do. Some systems do not. They're really more top-down um, business professionals that run these big organizations, and they've got maybe a company-wide CMO, and they've got some nurses, you know, it, in their headquarters, two, maybe two physicians, but these are really business people, operators, if you will. So one thing that I definitely think systems could do is to be much more physician-centric, to actually look to grow leaders um, and create more of a culture of physician leadership. And that's a whole separate candidly and i'd almost like to bring a friend of mine i won't mention his name in this podcast i don't want to put him on the spot <clears throat> but i i have a friend who is um an ex uh, physician excuse me an ex healthcare leader uh that that's a whole podcast we could have one day uh honestly jarvis but i i would say that unfortunately there aren't enough um culturally enough um opportunities that promote physician leadership and I can only surmise as to why but I think we would all be better off if physicians had a greater seat at the table in the upper levels of leadership mm -hmm. I will tell you that um, from a non-physician perspective I, I unless there are some platforms and, and I'm open to your thoughts on this Jarvis that I'm unaware of I would love to see a, a broader, like a, almost like a career marketplace that assesses skills specific to healthcare or specific to various components of healthcare. Like I call it, I, I accidented into healthcare. This was, this was an unintended consequence. When I accepted the job, all I knew it was recruiting, but I had no clue what I was getting into. Um, so I would love to see, and this is again, non-provider related. I would love to see, um, you know, just some sort of assessment that could go on 
that could proactively show kids coming out of high school, young people coming out of college that majored in something maybe abstract or something they really are having a hard time finding their footing, if you will, to where to catch on with some specialty they, they majored in, but that they could plug themselves into and say, okay, where does my skill set fit into the pendulum of, not pendulum, in the, the um, what's the word I'm looking for, Jarvis, the, the, the scope, if you will, of healthcare. Um, so I, I think that would be a real step forward. I'd also love to see some flat platforms that are out there that are highly accessible that show what are the challenges over time, over the next 10 years, 20 years, 50 years, 100 years, that private enterprise could plug themselves into. <clears throat> that you don't have to be in some mini think tank to have access so that you know, that only the few that are either already well off financially or already matured as companies or already doing something highly technical in a field and they can see that their skills can just be moved over here, but something that's more transparent to everybody so that the private sector as well could plug themselves in more to um, understanding what the problems are and how to solve those problems. So something that's a more transparent, and I hope I'm not speaking too abstract for you or your audience, but platforms that are more readily accessible that people and companies could see how entrepreneurialism could, could be an asset to healthcare, and then all the way down to a granular level of skill sets. You don't have to be a provider to find your pathway in healthcare. You don't have to be a physician. You don't have to be a nurse. You don't have to be a CMO, CEO, CFO. There's a myriad of slots that could fulfill your career and you could be great at, but I don't know that there's a lot of open platforms that help guide people through that process. Now that that's an interesting observation. Um, personally, I don't know of a formal platform that does. Um, I think if you're lucky and you look hard enough, you may find things here or there. So for example, I'm working with a group um, here in Atlanta, but it's a national group called the uh, National Association of Health Service, Health Service Executives. Mm -hmm. And one of the things we actually just had one of our big annual meetings last week, virtually, of course, um, but I provided them with a couple of program ideas that we're going to do all virtually. One of them, for example, is pulling on a friend of mine who is a nurse that has started her own consulting company. And now she coaches other healthcare executives on you know, if they wanted to pursue an entrepreneurial path. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, that's one element, but we're going to mm -hmm. do that. We're going to do some leadership development. We're going to do some change management. We're going to do some negotiation. But this, again, it's, it's us coming up with our ideas to promote, but there's nothing that I'm familiar with on a bigger, more formal scale. So I, yeah. I, I'm intrigued with your, your observation there. Um, uh, again, I'm going to go slightly off course, but I go think ahead. I'm, I'm going to give you a, a easy toss up here um, <laughs> with the physician leaders. And, and I'm thinking specifically, you know, the younger physician leaders, maybe your millennials, yes. maybe your, I don't even yes. know what generation is past millennials, Gen Z, X prime, I don't know, whatever, you know, but for some of the younger physicians that are coming out and starting to look to, you know, push their careers forward with landing a good position, what are some of the things that physicians care about when they do look for healthcare organizations? Um, what are maybe the top three 
things that are at the top of that list? Well, there's, there's, there's two ways, well, probably more than two, the things that cross my mind, um, Jarvis. So I can think about what are the three things that physicians are looking for by way of a job, and then your question by way of healthcare organizations. And that's a great question, Jarvis. And why does Fred say it's a great question? I will tell you that probably most of the physicians I speak with are really looking at it through more of the job prism than the healthcare organization prism. Um, so you, you've brought me to a crossroads to think more, how, how can I do a better job? This wasn't the answer you were expecting, I know. How can I do a better job of asking questions about organizationally what a physician is looking for? I don't hear a lot of people asking that question, truly. It's so granular and myopic about, well, what, tell me about your job search. Tell me about, and then it pretty much kind of goes into, into the practice uh, setting. Are we, is our, is our um, podcast getting crashed? No. <laughs> what was that? So. Oh, that was my wife walking behind me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, oh, we're getting crashed there, Jarvis. No, it's that, that time of evening. Okay. <laughs> so, um, like I, I, I will always tell you, I try to keep it real. So, honestly, physicians aren't asking much about, tell me about the top things about an organization. Okay. Um, no, it is. And usually I can tell them something about the organization because I'm aware of the organizations I work for. But that usually isn't what compels them to choose a job normally. It's, it's very granular. It's very local usually. Now, I will get some physicians very rarely, but from time to time will say, I don't want to work for a for-profit. I only want to work for a not-for-profit. That's an organizational question or an organizational statement. But typically, it's, it's much more market-driven, location-driven, practice-driven. And in that hierarchy, I usually find location, pay, and free time as the top three things that physicians are asking for these days. More and more physicians want to work four-day weeks, and I'm referring to the newer ones coming out of training. Probably not a surprise to the younger people that might be listening in the audience. Um, you find fewer old school physicians there. They're, they are looking at this more like a lifestyle, like life work balance, if you will, more so than I ever thought about working. You know, I work through the night sometimes talking to physicians weekends. Um, so I think the work life balance, so to speak, is huge. Um, and then the rest usually is location and um, remuneration and things like that usually call what's call look like if there is a call call issue now that I, I i do find that intriguing i know for me as i've looked at different organizations that i've had the chance to work with um mm -hmm. i've done almost kind of the uh, secret shopper approach where um you know i've just walked into the hospital and like gone to the cafeteria bought food and just sat in the cafeteria and just mm -hmm. watched you know, watch how things work or talk to some of the service, the, the folks at the service desk. Um, because for me, I've always wanted to kind of get a feel for, again, what are the people like? Do you guys work in teams? Are you serious about trying to become better from the quality process improvement mindset that I, that I bring to an organization? Mm -hmm. So 
so I guess that's that's kind of the the curious mindset I was going with there. Um, but no, it's really interesting, really good to know. Um, yeah, I don't see a lot of that um, <clears throat> where it will where it will deviate to an area like that. Again, it's not so much of a cultural question. Mm-hmm. I think people assume that a system is committed to quality, but certain specialties will want certain layers of support. Uh, again, that's not a cultural thing. That's a delivery of care services issue. Um, example, interventional cardiologists, uh, some of them coming out of training, they want to make sure that they, they will not work at a hospital that does not have open heart cardiothoracic uh, service line or, or cardiovascular service line. Um, not all, but again, that's more of a service line backup um, sort of criteria, not are you guys into quality? So uh, where I can pull those points off of a particular location, I will, but I think that they do a lot of that assessing when they're actually talking to a hospital leader on the phone, and especially when they see lay eyes on a location with their eyes in the feeling they get from the other physicians as well as the administration within, within the facility. All right, perfect. Well, Fred, let me move us into a part of the show now that we call our two-minute drill. Um, okay. I know you'll appreciate that being the football fan that I know you are, but um, this is very much kind of our rapid-fire Q&A that I always like to is do. Is this a- like a raw shock test that you're about to give me here? Uh, more or less. That, that was- <laughs> <laughs> this, I will now- Miami Dolphins losers. <laughs> I mean, what I, where do you want to go with this? No, uh, well, you're, you're definitely about to get get exposed. <laughs> but no, so um, first question that I have for you, because it yes. sounds like you are very ready to go. I'm telling um, you, man. <laughs> but our first question is something of a two-parter, Fred. Would I love for you to give our audience something yes. about either your current role or even some of the current clients, but um, share with us what inspires you to do your best and then also share how do you inspire others to do their best? Oh, man. I feel like I'm talking to my daughter now. Uh, You know, the first part, um, and it's supposed to be rapid fire. So the first part, it's hard for me to say what inspires me to do my best. Um, I'm just big on on, uh, habits and and character, if you will. Um, Habits form character. And as I tell my daughter, um, the externals should not influence how you make your decisions or how you react your character should influence how you make decisions and how you respond not the externals so for me personally i mean maybe it sounds hunky a uh, little hokey or corny but um uh, honestly there's nothing more valuable to me in what i do than developing and or, or delivering character that's got to be unyielding when it's all said and done uh jarvis um my legacy, whatever that means, and it won't be grand, trust me. I don't know enough people in life for it to be that grand. Um, but the few people that I knew, do know and that I've touched, I want them to say he was, he was honest and he was truthful and he had character. So for me, that's my driver. And I, I almost feel like, I hate to say it, I, I'm, I'm a better leader by example than maybe the, the vocal guy. And no one listening to this probably believes that because he's probably thinking this guy just doesn't doesn't know when to quit. But um, I almost feel like how that maybe maybe inspires people is by how I live it. 
All right. I, re I respect that approach. So you are spot on there. Um, can you share with us, Fred, the best piece of career advice that you've ever received? Best piece of career advice. Oh, Lord. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, you're younger than me. And every, every throwaway line, Jarvis, you're not going to know what I'm talking about. So for the three people in your audience that understands the word plastics, 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 and I know you have no clue what I just referred to, Jarvis. No, I watch, don't. <laughs> watch the graduate. You'll, you'll get it. Um, the best piece of career advice. Let's come back to that one, Jarvis. I'm, I'm, you've, you've, you've stumped the expert here. I don't know what the best piece of career advice that I've ever received was. All right. Well, let me, uh, let me maybe tweak it up for you. Yeah. What is the best piece of career advice that you've ever given to someone else? Hmm. Um, and you can't say plastics, plastics, plastics. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, um, but it's the same sentiment. Um, desperation is the mother of invention. Mm -hmm. um, so I never use those exact words, but that was what I have believe I've shared with some young people uh, before um, that wondered, like, what, what was your biggest driver, Fred? What was your... <clears throat> and I said desperation. And um, I, I wasn't born a shiny object. The shiny object you see today, uh, Jarvis Gray, is not the man that, you know, was as he was born. And all I mean is, um, you know, through my career, I've found myself in, in, in tough times, meaning having to support a family, being the only income earner, having two young, beautiful daughters to of and be financially responsible for along with a, a homemaker wife and it's through those toughest times where sometimes you're not sure you know what uh what tomorrow will bring as you're maybe at a career fork it's really the grit and knowing that no is not an answer or failure is not an option i should say that would be the way to put it failure is not an option and truly my best growth spurts have been when I was uncomfortable and failure was not an option. Nope. I, I, again, I respect that because when your back is against a wall, the, the real character shows. So, yes. Um, yes. So I love it. Yes. Um, Just don't ask me what play to call on fourth down with five seconds to go from the five yard line. That one I probably will flub. <laughs> It'll be better than the Seahawks call though in the Super Bowl. I promise you that. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I was going to say, but you know, when, when your back's against the wall, though. <laughs> yeah, you give uh, it to what's-his-name. <laughs> you don't throw it. <laughs> so, next question I have for you is, if you could share a personal habit that you would um, say that contributes to your success, and again, I'm just going to wrap this up away from the quality improvement focus, but just what has contributed to your success as a recruiter and a physician? Um, I'm just going to say it's tenacity. Honestly, nice. Jarvis, it's just tenacity. Um, I don't know if I was born with it. I don't know if it's, but, um, you know, recruiting is a really strange business. Mm -hmm. um, you can have quite the down day and one what seemingly small thing happens in a positive at the end of the very, at the very end of the day that would be inconsequential to 99% of the world, the people you know. You walk away from your desk and go, man, that was a great day. So the the peaks can be 
can come and the valleys can, you know, and sometimes you almost feel like, did I forget how to recruit? I mean, it's that kind of business. And um, so it's just a tenacity to just know that this too shall pass and to keep, I'll get back to that building of habits that as long as my habits are sound and I, and I execute them fundamentally repetitively, if you will, when I say repetitively, I don't mean mechanically, but I, I, you know, maybe it's somewhat like rinse and repeat, but I know rinse and repeat is a winning formula. I'm a big believer in that. Not as an, not as an automaton, not as a robot, but I know the right behaviors that are required for me to be successful. And I insist that upon myself every day. I love it. I love it. Um, curious to see where you're going to go with this next question I have for you, Fred, but what is your go-to website or mobile application that helps you <laughs> execute on your work? Didn't I tell you you weren't supposed to ask me that question? I, I, had, I had to press it, man. <laughs> Got to see what you come up with. Um, I think it's your website, Jarvis, actually. I think it's the, uh, the coach's website, I believe. All right. I will let that one know. <laughs> that website would be www.the-qcc.com. <laughs> Well, let me let me give you a chance for a quick plug. Uh, would yeah. you care to share your website? Well? Yeah, Jarvis. It's www.newmark.com. And anyone that goes to it, I, I think they'll see that it's really been um, kind of laid out with a different design than a lot of other sort of uh, recruiting companies. Um, it's really designed to be, if you will, like an ecosystem, as I referred to earlier, of different people that can help support whatever need uh, either a physician or, or client may have. Um, I think of myself, honestly, more of a consultant than anything, and, uh, but that is the website. All right, and it is very slick, very savvy. I love the website. So uh, next question. So I have a couple of questions that I want to answer. Are you going to ask me, um, if you could trade jobs with anyone in your organization, with whom would it be and why? Yes, that was it. Were you really going to ask me that? Yeah, actually, I think I overlooked it now that I'm going back. Yes, Fred. First of all, I don't know whose <laughs> podcast this is anymore, but I did absolutely, I skipped right over it. So I'm glad you caught it. <laughs> um, so if I could trade jobs with anyone in the organization, with whom would it be and why? My wife, because she owns 51% and she's the boss. <laughs> I think just about any married man would probably agree with that. <laughs> and I really like, and I'm fast forwarding. So if you want to take control of your own podcast again, let me know. But there's one really great question that you had that right. uh, we'll see if you get to it. Keep going. Okay, well, the, uh, the next question that I think I'm on now, thank you for it. <laughs> thank you for permission to lead my show. Um, no, I would love for you to share with our quality people a professional society and or, con or excuse me, and conference that you think will be a value add. Okay, so I don't have many conferences. And, I, and I, as I thought, thought about that one, honestly, I think it's so specific to what one does for a career. And, and maybe I'm not worldly enough to have one one conference that everybody would get value out of. However, from a society perspective, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the Southern Medical Association. Um, so I, I encourage people to check them out. It's a great resource. All right, perfect. And let me ask anything from a recruiting standpoint, again, 
Um, anything that would introduce some of our healthcare leaders to your world from a professional society or conference or with the Southern um, Healthcare Network do that? Um, no, they, that wouldn't. Um, and I am, they recently changed their name and you would ask me that question and now I'm going to look like just <laughs> a dumb puppy. Um, so let's keep rolling because I will remember the name. They changed their name like a year and a half ago and that's why I'm coming up blank. But it right. is, there is a recruiting, if you will, um, association that uh, I'm, I'm actually on Google here right now. And they clearly don't want me as a member ever because I'm not uh, remember remembering um, their name, but I, I will get it. All right. Fair enough. And do you have a book um, that you could recommend to our quality people? Uh, what would it be and why? And if not a book, any <laughs> I don't other, <laughs> other reason? I knew you were going to ask me that question. To, to our audience. Fred did warn me ahead of time that he did not have a book, but I still <laughs> felt compelled to put him on the spot. So, so what, what, what's the question now? You're going to still hold me to the book? Yeah. Well, just picking your brain to see if you had anything else, a book, a podcast, a magazine. Well, I, I like your podcast. That's for sure. I'm, I'm going to defer back to that. I finally found the name of the uh, organization for recruiters. So let yes. me give them a shout out. It's now called the AAPPR, Association for Advanced Physician and Provider Recruitment, AAPPR. They changed their name like roughly a year and a half or so ago. Thus, I had a brain pause, brain freeze, senility, whatever you want to call it. But the AAPPR, it really is a good conference. Um, they truly have great value for the physician recruiting world mm -hmm. and for those that are interested that is a great resource books um i'm gonna i'm gonna plead the fifth on that one all right fair enough and let me ask you did you have any other questions before i get to my very last question of the night for you well we're you, gonna see if the last question is what i'm hoping it is so okay. go ahead i don't have any other than truly jarvis my deep respect for you i've told you this before um you're such a bright person um I'm so impressed with knowing you truly and uh, in any way I can ever um, introduce you because I feel the people I introduce you to will be very, very fortunate to know you and the services that you provide. And that's very genuine. Uh, you're, you're one, one bright, bright young man and uh, you, you've got so much to offer. So I'm, I'm truly, and I mean it, I'm, I'm honored that you would want me to be part of your podcast. So thank you. No, I appreciate those sentiments, um, but it's not going to get you out of my last question here. I'm ready. I want to see if your last <laughs> question is what I'm hoping it is. Go ahead. All right. I hope so. Let's see. Um, so the last question is a personal favorite because, Fred, I'm going to get you to reflect <laughs> on your past while you look forward to your future. So let's say you're able to send one text message to yourself 10 years into the past and one text message to yourself 10 years into the future. Take a second and think about it, but what would you communicate in each one of those messages? All right, so this would be Fred to self 10 years ago. Your job will never define you. Look within. Very, very introspective. I like it. And Fred to 10 years from now, when he probably still will be working, um, aren't you glad you stayed with it? All right, wonderful. Now, let me ask, was that? The same question you were you were hoping for yes 
Yes. <laughs> awesome. I, I gave some thought to it, Jarvis. Yes. Yes, because awesome. I thought that was a great question. Truly, that's I, I love that question. Out of all the questions you asked me, that was one of my highlight questions, and and that was my answer uh, about the past because I know um, many of us uh, could uh, get um, thinking that uh, our jobs define us, and personally, I don't think that's the case. I think they never can. And it, it can be an illusion that many of us have chased. I know I have. And that's why I said, look within. <clears throat> and one thing that somebody shared with me once I, I would like to share with you. They said, Fred, the grass isn't greener elsewhere. It's really brown everywhere. And he was, of course, being humorous. But I took away from that his comment that, um, yes, there are reasons sometimes to look for new pastures and there are legitimate reasons, but many times I think, and I've been guilty of it before, that uh, we got to make the pastures greener ourselves. And you, you do realize we totally skipped over the best piece of career advice that you ever received, <laughs> and yet here you are giving the best career <laughs> advice that you've ever received. Oh, no. You know, when you ask me in the moment, you know, some of us, some of us just shrink in the moment. We're not all Jarvis Grays, you know. Nah, get out of here. That that was that was really good. Um, I, I do um, kind of have a my spin on that same on that same reply. There is mm -hmm. the grass is only greener where you water it the most. So there you go. Same. So. Yep. You got it. Same spirit. Absolutely. Wonderful. Fred, let me thank you. Uh, truly just from the bottom of my heart and for all the laughs and great information that we shared on this episode. I really appreciate you again saying yes, coming on, sharing your knowledge, your expertise, your time with our audience of quality people. Um, before I shut us down for this evening, Fred, I would love for you to give our audience that parting piece of advice. Um, share with them the best way that they can follow and connect with you on, on social media. But again, any additional information connected to your business, um, please do share that as well. And then we'll officially sign off, my friend. Well, again, I'm going to defer back to my website, which I gave earlier. So you had to listen earlier. I'm, I'm not looking to do too much self-promotion here. Um, and I, I gave some parting thought um, and again it kind of gets down to um, regardless of how menial of a task I always tried to bring my A game and I'm going back to you know OG time back to being literally like you know cleaning cleaning tables at, at Burger King and and making sure the restrooms were clean like the one job that nobody wanted to do I was like bring it on. It's going to be the cleanest <laughs> restroom in all of Burger King America. So regardless of how menial the tasks bring the A game, um, the sum of that mindset and striving to do our best work is what develops our habits and our character. The job will never make the person. The person will always define the task at hand, regardless of how big or small. So that's what I try to instill in my daughter, and that's how I try to kind of do what I do. So regardless of whether it's a little thing or a big thing, to me it's those habits and giving it the same attention 
and not thinking I need showtime stage to have arrived. I think it's all those unforeseen things that only I'm the one that knows that I'm doing them that really are so critical. It's the sum of all those things that help build the character and uh, create a greater opportunities down the road. No, well, I definitely, again, respect that. Um, Fred, let me ask you one last question. Before, Wait a minute. You just, you're like, you, you've turned into Columbo on me now. You realize that. I, I know, right? One last thing. I know. Go ahead. But no, take, take a, a quick second to highlight um, Behind the Curtain of Healthcare. Oh, I am sorry. You are right. You know what? So we've got a, a video cast, if you will, called Behind the Curtain of Healthcare. You can find it on YouTube and it is an awesome platform. And I only say that because I've had awesome guests like Jarvis Gray and like others in the healthcare space uh, who actually give us an hour of their time to talk about topics. And we just try to keep it real in the space of their subject expertise. So we've had someone on uh, Kyle Musla who did student loan repayment. He's a, he's a guru on that. We had the quality coach on. I had an immigration attorney. I had a regular contract attorney. I had a physician that's family medicine doctor um, that is huge in physician, uh, excuse me, in patient wellness on a holistic side um, and others. So if you look for Behind the Curtain of Healthcare on YouTube, would love for you to check us out. Wonderful. And again, that um, episode, Jack did share the recording with me. I'm going to post the audio on our show um, in the next few weeks coming up. But Great. Um, Fred, again, man, thank you so much just for the friendship, the partnership, and again, just the contribution to this show. Uh, to our quality people everywhere, thank you all for listening and making us a part of your day. This is Jarvis and Fred, and we are officially signing off. Thank you for listening to the Healthcare Quality Cast, brought to you by the Quality Coaching Company. If you love the Healthcare Quality Cast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review. Until next time.